This is In-House Insiders, a podcast from the Association of Corporate Counsel, where you'll hear from the most interesting in-house legal professionals in Australia. On the show, we'll explore their stories, the challenges they've faced along the way, and the lessons they've learned that have defined their careers. I'm your host, May Ramsey, and I'm the Group Executive Legal Governance and Regulatory Affairs at Medibank. In today's episode, we're speaking to Crystalline Look, who is the Deputy General Counsel of Gaming and Corporate at Tabcorp. Crystalline has had a varied career, with her working in a wide range of industries as an in-house legal professional. She also has a very diverse background and is a person with a disability. We talk about how working in a wide range of industries can benefit your career, the challenges and assumptions she faces as a person with a disability, and in her words, the importance of being brave. All right, let's dive in. So, Crystalline, welcome to the show and thank you so much for coming on to share your story. Hi, May. I'm really happy to have this opportunity to speak to you and our listeners today. It'd be great, I thought, to start with you just telling us a little bit about your career up until now and what led you to your current role. No problems, May. I currently work at Tabcorp Holdings Limited as Deputy General Counsel, where I provide legal and strategic advice to the gaming services business and corporate functions. I've been in my role for close to three years now, and I started my career, though, over 15 years ago in private practice at top-tier global law firm Allen's, now called Allen's Linklaters, where I primarily practiced in corporate M&A and equity capital markets. I also elected to do rotations in the IP communications and technology group and also litigation group because I knew that one day that would probably come in handy for an in-house career. My first in-house role was in financial services at ANZ Bank, where I worked as a senior lawyer in the newly formed Asia Pacific Europe and America group. And immediately prior to my current role at Tabcorp, I worked for several years as sole in-house counsel for Australia and New Zealand at Honeywell Limited, which is a multinational Fortune 100 technology and software company with headquarters in the US. Wow. So you've had a lot of different roles in a lot of different industries throughout your career to date. Why do you think your career played out in that way? Yeah, I hadn't planned to work in lots of different industries and in different roles in my career, but I'm not surprised that it's turned out this way because I I'm naturally curious and I love to learn and grow and what better way to do that than, I guess, explore different industries. I've also sometimes outgrown my role because I work very hard and learn quite quickly and sometimes I've found that the only way to progress my career and development is to move to different roles in different organisations or industries. So given that you've, as you said, worked in so many different industries, what are some of the challenges that you faced moving from industry to industry? Well, when starting a new role, there is uh, the usual feeling of pressure 
to become a technical expert in the relevant areas of law as quickly as possible, particularly if you ask a senior lawyer leading a team. But I found that a relatively exciting challenge. What I find can be challenging is ensuring that the role and industry that I'm working in is in fact aligned to my own personal values and career objectives. This is really important to me. However, I find that this can be difficult over time because, of course, there can be changes to an organisation's structure, management, culture and values and so forth. And sometimes these changes can be driven by the relevant industry in which the organisation that I'm working for operates. So you've mentioned uh, finding organisations that are aligned, as you said, with your values and your career objectives. What are some of the benefits that you found of working in these different industries? What I've enjoyed most about working in different industries is the ability to constantly learn and grow by being exposed to different leadership styles and ways of working and thinking. This is, of course, changes uh, depending on the labour force working in the relevant organisation and industry. But this exposure has definitely helped change and shape my unique leadership style and also helped me adapt to change. As an example, at Honeywell, where I worked with a lot of engineers, I presented most of my legal advices in easy-to-digest PowerPoint presentations and flow diagrams, whereas at ANZ Bank and Tabcorp, which operate in a much more highly regulated industry, my legal advices tend to be a little bit more formal and detailed. That's a fantastic example of, I guess, what you can gain out of working in, as you say, many different industries. Are there any other benefits that you can uh, see for lawyers following a similar path that you have? Yeah, definitely. I think for lawyers that have a desire to constantly learn, grow and develop like myself and don't mind change, certainly working in different industries can be of great advantage to someone's career. I think, though, there are many different career paths that lawyers can take, and that is the beauty of having a law degree these days. And there would be advantages and disadvantages to each of these different career paths, depending on the individual. What I do think is important for a lawyer is, as I mentioned, is to work in an industry which aligns with their own values and that their organisation supports their career aspirations, whatever that might be. Very wise words. Thank you, Crystalline. Now, turning to your personal background, I understand you have a pretty diverse background. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I am female and from a Chinese heritage And I was born with a noticeable physical disability. And so I use a motorized wheelchair to get around. So diversity and inclusion are important topics for me. Um, And it's timely that we're discussing this, given that it was International Women's Day yesterday and March is Inclusion Month. So can you maybe explain to us some of the challenges you faced given the quite diverse background you've outlined 
throughout your career? I think the main challenge I've had in my career journey due to my diverse and unique background is not having the same opportunities afforded to me as others, um, including opportunities perhaps to work on particular projects and to progress to more senior or different roles, despite constantly demonstrating my capability and commitment. And I found that both personally and professionally difficult at times to accept. I'm sure that this is not a problem that is unique to me. However, as we know, a lot of people do tend to either consciously or unconsciously hire, advocate for and promote those that are more similar to them. And given my diverse and unique circumstances, I feel that I really sometimes haven't had the benefit of that type of support. And that means that I've had to fight for my own opportunities more often and that can get quite exhausting. I feel that conscious and unconscious bias of people can play a significant role in the challenges that I've experienced in my career. So you talk about uh, unconscious and conscious bias. What what's some of the, I guess, common assumptions that you feel people have made about you as a person with a disability? Yes, these are interesting. Um, I think the most common assumption that people generally make about people with a physical disability is that they have a mental disability as well. But in my case, I'm told that by my friends and colleagues that the minute I open my mouth that that's a misconception that's quickly cleared up. The more common assumption specifically about me because of my noticeable physical disability is that perhaps I'm less capable of workload, a standard workload or a heavy workload, and or that I need to take a lot of sick leave. This is, of course, not true, but I did have a manager once regularly and often ask me after each project or work task how I felt my health was going. And I found that at times this a little bit condescending. I felt that I was being singled out sometimes when this happened. So in that particular example, how did you overcome this assumption that this uh, manager had made about you and the status of your health? Look, I think that it's important to educate people about the assumptions they're making, particularly about me. And so in this particular situation, although I found it awkward and nerve-wracking at first, I overcame it by having a direct conversation with the manager to explain and educate them about the exact nature of my disability. I also found it important to, over time, demonstrate my actual capability to overcome a lot of the assumptions that were being made about my health. So, Crystalline, what can people in our industry do to avoid making some of these assumptions you've mentioned? Yeah, I think that these things take time, but I think it is important that there are people in leadership and committees that have diverse backgrounds. 
and particularly those with disabilities so that there's opportunities to have exposure, to be educated, to be around people who are different. And I think that through education programs about disabilities, unconscious bias and inclusion, that can help overcome a lot of assumptions that people make purely because they're unaware. And sort of expanding on that more broadly, what can employers do to better support people with a disability? I think in addition to, I guess, the legal requirements of, you know, adapting workplaces, particularly for someone with a physical disability, I think having programs that are proactively inclusive of people with disabilities is important. And also perhaps providing a support framework or network to help identify development, progression and learning opportunities for people with disabilities that is tailored for them could be also really helpful. Uh, One of the things I've always wondered when you are recruiting for a new role, is it helpful if you put in that ad that we, you know, welcome people of all abilities and backgrounds. Do you see that and think to yourself, okay, that's the sort of organisation I'd like to apply for? Does it actually impact people, do you think? Um, That's a really good question, actually, May. I think that for me, uh, when I see that, I think to myself that it's great because obviously inclusion, diversity is at the forefront of the organisation's mind and they're often obviously those ads, which means that the organisation is open to different workforce. I do find it is becoming more common these days. So I guess it it becomes less impactful. However, it's still good to see that that has been included. But what I do look for, I guess, is a little bit more than that in, in a work environment. I think the more important thing is the inclusion part. Because what I mean is that obviously uh, a lot of organisations now have that statement on job ads. They also have and speak out about targets of hiring people with, you know, a particular gender or from a particular diverse background. But I think the challenge for both organisations but broader industry is the inclusion piece. Once they're in there, ensuring They have opportunities and the same opportunities to learn, develop, grow and progress. And I think that's more the challenge that needs to be addressed rather than necessarily getting someone with a diverse background in through the door. So picking up on that theme around, you know, once you have people who've joined your company with a diverse background, what can either companies, managers or the, you know, broader industry do to help people with these diverse backgrounds succeed in their roles? Yeah, I think that it's important that organisations, managers are mindful that other than the assumptions they make about people with disabilities, that there are naturally going to be differences. And I think that it is good if the organisations are open to the differences and are accepting of the differences and to some degree um, acknowledge that there are certain advantages to people with disabilities 
or a diverse background. And I think that it's important for organisations to have an education program, as I mentioned, to learn about disabilities, to learn about unconscious bias and inclusion and how that can operate in the context of working with a diverse workforce, including someone with a disability. So we know that diversity strengthens companies and uh, teams, but what are specifically some of the benefits that you see from having a more diverse workforce? Yeah, I think due to the challenges of someone having a disability that they face, they are more likely to think differently and have to think more creatively and think outside the box. For example, logistical challenges, risks, and things that might occur because they're almost trained by default to think in that way. They tend to be more organised and resilient because they have to plan for things ahead of time. I feel that someone with a disability can often handle crisis better and also see potential opportunities sooner than a lot of other people So you've mentioned, you know, during your own career that you've had to deal with some unconscious bias, maybe even conscious bias at times, some sort of assumptions that are made about you and your capability. All of that has meant, I expect, that you've had to display some pretty, you know, you use the word resilience, but I'd also use the word courage in some places to speak up for yourself. Can you tell me a bit about, you know, the importance of, resilience, courage, believing in yourself in the workplace and beyond? And and what does this look like for you? Yes, I think that um, courage is an important topic and I think that it is quite important for lawyers, including myself, to have courage to be successful. I think that underpins a lot of the things we do and the way we behave. For me, I think that it's important to bring my authentic and true self each day to work as much as possible and to me what courage means is to speak up for what is right including for yourself but also for others courage to support others even though that there might not be that common support from the broader group courage to own up to your mistakes and to own up to outcomes courage to think differently courage to have difficult conversations and courage to celebrate both your own success and achievements, but also of others. And also particularly courage to be vulnerable as well. You speak about what seems to be some difficult conversations you've had to have, which would have taken a lot of courage. What gives you personally courage? And can you think of a time where you've had to face your fears and demonstrate that courage? I think what gives me courage is to feel like I can make a difference and to make change, change people's mindset, change the assumptions they're making, particularly about people with disabilities or with diverse backgrounds. I feel that other than, you know, demonstrating that through, you know, my work and my capability, sometimes I've had to demonstrate courage through having fairly direct conversations including sharing details about my disability. An obvious example of that demonstration of courage was to talk to my managers, my colleagues about that in detail and 
discussing the challenges that I face as a result of my disability. When I was younger, that isn't something I commonly shared, particularly in the workplace, because I felt that that might somehow lead to being disadvantaged. But now I've really been able to face that fear and the face of fear of being disadvantaged and being judged and just to accept um, my current circumstances and to share that information with other people that I feel can really benefit and educate them. And for people listening, what are some of the ways that you think they can find their own courage? Because it sounds as if you it's something that you, as you say, have developed over time and, you know, come to realise that uh, that it plays a part in the way that you both interact with those in the workplace, but, you know, more broadly with society. Yeah, I think like myself, and it's become more prevalent during the COVID pandemic, I think you can get courage and strength through others. And the way to do that, I think, is that of people reaching out and sharing their stories and their challenges and their experiences with other people. Because I found that when I've done that, inevitably, someone has had a similar experience or faced a similar challenge. And there are common things to talk about and to share as a result of that. And you can get a lot of strength through that storytelling and sharing of experiences. And you can feel as a result that you're not alone in some of the the, the challenges that you face, particularly through a tough time. That's just such great advice, Crystalline. And uh, do you think more broadly then that people in senior leadership positions can be more courageous to support their colleagues and team members? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that the people in senior leadership roles, I think that employees and team members can benefit from them sharing their stories of when they face challenges and perhaps failures, but also how they've overcome that. I also think that leaders have a role to play uh, in the sphere of courage by advocating and championing the success of others. And I think that's a good start as well to help those that are facing challenges and to give them support through times of challenge. Once again, great advice, Crystalline. Now we're going to have a change of pace here and move to our quick fire questions. So the idea with these questions is you just tell me the first thing that comes into your mind and we'll whip through them really quickly. We've got eight questions. So starting with, if you met your 21-year-old self, what advice would you give them? If I met my 21-year-old self, I think along the lines of the theme of courage, I would say to myself to be happy with who I am, to accept my differences, to accept that there are real advantages to, you know, being different rather than trying to hide those differences or to be like everyone else. Great advice for all of us. What is the one skill you've really had to develop through your in-house role? I think that the one skill I've had to learn to develop is the ability to influence change in terms of people's mindset and the ways of working and to challenge, I guess, 
existing frameworks and values that may not be or sit well with my own. Well, that's an amazing skill to have developed because it could be life-changing if applied in the right areas. Where do you go to upskill? I go to, I think, a few different sources. But in terms of upskilling, particularly for soft skills, I often talk to a variety of people, mentors, managers, and just friends in different industries as well to uh, diversify my way of thinking. For my technical skills, I often read a lot of articles and also listen to a lot of podcasts. Great advice, particularly the podcast ones, but also talking to your colleagues and friends. I think that's uh, really understanding and learning from your peer group is a great way to upskill. Who's someone you really admire? I would say in recent times, Jacinda Ardern, the New Zealand uh, Prime Minister. I think that she's obviously from a diverse background, but more so her leadership and ability to influence, particularly through the COVID challenging time, was really, I think, inspirational, especially as a woman, particularly given the exceptional challenges she would have faced leading a country through a pandemic. So true. She is a standout leader. What's one item on your bucket list? Oh, that's a good question. I think that I would like to probably in future really find a niche area, particularly um, probably in an industry which I really love and I I think that might be something along the lines of the technology space. I feel like learning, growing and working in the technology space is going to be really beneficial given the way the world is working and heading and technology is also an important factor in someone with a disability's life where things are often now automated and to understand that And to work in that space, I find would be a really big tick off my bucket list. Well, I think any uh, company or industry in that space would be very lucky to have you, Crystalline. What's your favourite hobby? Uh, My favourite hobby is actually um, eating and dining out with friends and family. I find the coming together, having new experiences, particularly dining experiences, is I find really relaxing, but also just highly enjoyable. Do you have a favourite cuisine? I really like Thai food and also, I guess, Japanese food as well. I find that the the, the experience and the diversity in dishes is quite fascinating. Two of my most favourite cuisines as well. We might have to go out for dinner one night. And then the final question is, what is the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? The first thing I do in the morning is to do a few stretches and to look at the news, see, you know, what's happening uh, and also uh, pay a lot of attention to what the weather's like for the day. Well, thank you, Crystalline, uh, for not only answering those quickfire questions, but for sharing your story. I think um, you've given us a lot of food for thought around how we as an industry, as team members, colleagues at work 
can think about, you know, some of the challenges that our team members may be facing and the courage that you've shown in sharing your story, I think will give many people both strength and further insight in how to be and create a more inclusive environment. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thanks, May. Lovely to talk to you as well. You've been listening to In-House Insiders, a podcast about the stories, challenges and lessons learnt by Australia's top in-house legal professionals. In-House Insiders is produced by the Association of Corporate Counsel. ACC's purpose is to support the professional and business interests of in-house counsel through information, education, networking and advocacy initiatives. I've personally been an ACC member for 15 years and I continue to remain a member for the fantastic peer networking opportunities I get and the access to tailored CPDs that cater for every stage of an in-house lawyer's career. If you're not a member already, you can join me and over 45,000 other in-house counsel from around the world. For more information about ACC or to join, please visit the website acc.com. This has been In-House Insiders. I'm May Ramsey and I'll speak to you next time.